You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Matt Malouf. And he's a passionate business coach, entrepreneur, speaker, author, and podcast host on a mission to help entrepreneurs around the world break the shackles of mediocrity and reach new levels of personal and business success. Matt's coaching programs have helped more than a thousand clients add millions of dollars of turnover without adding pressure on internal resources. He incorporates his framework outlined in his best-selling book, The Stop Doing List, to help entrepreneurs address their most crucial needs and build a thriving business that gives them more certainty, more profit, and ultimately more freedom for the things they really want to do. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Listen, I love the title of your book, The Stop Doing List, because everybody is so enamored with having these big, long to-do lists, right? And they're not focused as much on results as they are checking things off the list. So I haven't read your book. I'm going to be totally transparent, but I will read it, I'm sure, after this. So I'm excited to get into this. But before we dive into all that, give us a really quick backstory of kind of how you got here, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah. So, I mean, my original training was in accounting when I first started, and I worked with Ernst & Young for, uh, for many years. Realized that, and for all those accountants out there, apologize in advance, but I realized I had a personality and so I needed to get out of accounting. You're a recovering and, accountant? I'm a recovering accountant. <laughs> and so I made the transition into, I worked in the fitness industry for a few years, deep passion to help people live better lives. Personal training business, we ran yeah, a huge company there and then transitioned out of that and my passion and then my two passions are helping people in business so a natural sort of progression was business coaching and mentoring. I've been doing that since 2011. And, you know, literally, you know, we hear the cliche, haven't worked a day, you know, in the last eight years. And, and it really does feel that way. I feel very blessed. I've got, I get to work with great people and help them achieve some amazing things. And my passion is really helping business owners achieve freedom and fulfillment through their business success. And because I see so many business owners and entrepreneurs wanting freedom and never achieving it because they're, you know, they're on this treadmill that they just can't get off. Yeah. They get so busy trying to make money that they really don't have a business. They just have a high paying job almost. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And for some, it's a very high paying job, but you're, it is a job. Yeah, exactly. And so Yeah, that never lasts for long because we all, you know, everybody burns out at one time or another, whether it be a year or five or 10 or a decade or whatever it is. 
you know, eventually you burn out and that's not good for anybody. So that's why when I caught the title of your book, I was so interested in having you on the show because, you know, I could read between the lines and realize exactly what you were doing there, but I'm super excited to dive into that. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about your business. So you have a, your primary business is a coaching business. That's what you do, correct? Correct. Okay. And you've had that for about eight years or so? Yes. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your business. I mean, share what you can, whether it be revenue, percentage growth, number of clients, give me some sort of scale as to the size of the business. I mean, it's okay if it's more of a boutique. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs like that. If it's seven or eight figures, draw us a picture if you would, just to give us a little bit of a sense of where you're at. Yeah. So we turn over in excess of a million dollars in our company. I actually had a transition last year where we shifted and we, we've sort of we've rebranded to the Wisdom Consulting Group. So we primarily at the moment are focused on one-on-one coaching and mentoring, but we're transitioning into what we find is as companies sort of get beyond that sort of what we would term as a small business into that starting into that medium size, they need more hands-on as opposed to coaching. And so we've now developed a division where we go in and roll our sleeves up and I'm almost like a mini management consulting business. So I've got a very simple structure. It's myself and back office team. At this stage, I have no intention to build a team of consultants. Simply, I've done that in the past and that worked well. But for me, in the next three years, my theme is simplification. I've got a young family and I really want to focus on having more freedom and time to work with them and be with them. So we've sort of transitioned the business model to give me that freedom. I work with clients all over the world. So at present, we've got clients all over Australia and in every state except Western Australia. We've got, I've got clients in New Zealand. I've got clients in the United States. In, I've got two clients in Southeast Asia and two in the UK. And so yeah, we work. A lot of what I do is via Skype. We do some do do some consulting pieces where we're flying in and and spending a day or two days in these companies getting things done. And most importantly, is that for us, our ethos is always about where can we add the most value in the shortest period of time. Perfect. You know, we're kindred spirits, and something that you said very early on in that, which was over the next few years, your focus is simplification and creating a business that gives you freedom and lifestyle because you have a young family. I'm in the same boat. So we have a lot of things in common there. So I look forward to this conversation, but you also talked about how you have clients on all over Australia, but you also have them abroad. Tell me if you pick one strategy, what has been the one strategy or the one tactic or whatever channel that has helped you to get clients for your business. So what are you doing to get clients today? What's the primary strategy? Is it paid ads? Is it organic? Is it cold emailing? What are you doing to get new clients? Domestically within Australia, it's a lot of it has been referral business and not your traditional hope that someone refers you. I'm very deliberate about it. At the six, nine and 12 month marks, uh, we frame that we're going to ask for referrals and provided that we're getting the results that our clients desire, they're more than happy to give us the referrals. So domestically, it's referral. Internationally, again, 
Part of that has come from referral, but paid advertising via Facebook is our primary go-to when it comes to lead generation. And our predominant conversion mechanism is an appointment or strategy session. We're transitioning because we're about to launch a entry-level program and we'll go to a paid advertising, and we're just testing this at the moment, paid advertising into a webinar conversion funnel that will lead into our new program. Excellent. Okay. So paid Facebook ad that'll lead into getting a webinar registration. And then from there, you're marketing to them on the back end, a, some sort of a lower end type of intro yeah, an product level, an and entry level. level. And then based upon the results they get or their needs or wants, then you may upgrade them to the more one-on-one coaching. Correct. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. Sounds great. All right. So Let's do this. Let's dig in because I know you wrote an entire book on it. So that means we could probably spend hours talking about it. Unfortunately, we've only got about another 15 minutes or so. So I want to make sure we really dig into this. So before I hit record, we talked about kind of the basic framework that you used around creating that book, the stop doing list and how it's been so helpful for you when you coach and mentor clients on how to help them to get build their business, to grow their business while working less, okay? And so that's where that stop doing list comes from. So could you walk us through that? That would be ideal. I would love it. I can, yeah. So the uh, where this originated from was I realized very early in my own business career that much of what I did wasn't unique to me. Like there was only a few things that I'd created or that I did differently in my business to anybody else, which meant that I could employ people or employ systems and the like to do a lot of this for me. So, and what's interesting is the stop doing this title was actually the, the working title of the book, which ended up becoming the title. But the framework is really simple and effective. So we've got five steps. And so step one is to do a time log for a period of approximately two weeks And what this does is it gives you an understanding of where you're spending your time. People are trying to, you know, manage their time, et cetera, without really becoming really present and aware of where they're spending their time. And so, and we recommend that you do this time log from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to bed at night. So you'll actually get a complete picture of what's going on in your life. Often what happens there is just in doing that exercise, most people will identify approximately a 10% saving in their time just from eliminating distraction, you know, limiting the number of times they check emails in a day, you know, the, limiting how when, how and when they answer the phones, et cetera, just those tasks or activities that pull them away from focus. The second thing we then do is get you to- Before we jump on, I want to just say, chime in really quick. Sorry for interrupting, but- I did that the first time. It was probably 10 years ago. It might have been a little bit more, 10, 11 years ago for the first time. And it was so eye-opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really blew my mind. If you're honest, right? You got to be honest. Or you got to go into this with full transparency. You got to be honest with yourself and you got to log everything you do for a week and it will blow your mind. It will blow your yeah. mind how much time you waste on things that you absolutely positively should not be doing. And it's glaringly obvious it kind of like goes back to the same thing with like food, right? If you're if you're overweight, just take a just log your food for a week and then look at it and you'll be like, "Oh my god, I wonder why I'm fat," 
right? <laughs> I mean, it's because it's the same sort of thing. It's the same sort of phenomenon. You can see what you need to be doing. And this isn't a one-time deal. This is something that you need to continue to do, you know, time after time. I mean, I don't mean every week, but I mean, maybe once or twice a year, it's probably not a bad idea to audit your time. Minimum to twice a year we recommend, but here's the interesting thing. I was mentored a few years ago and I did a time log for 365 days straight and it was phenomenal how how much extra time I created in my life because I was aware of it. I was accountable. It was, and what the other interesting thing, Dennis, is that it's the justifications we make. So, you know, I justified a lot of how I was spending my time thinking I was being productive or, you know, but, but when you really analyze it, you can actually take it to a whole new level. So. Oh yeah. When you're a good salesperson, it's amazing how good you can <laughs> sell yourself into believing that you're really doing, you're always productive. But when it goes down on paper, it's kind of hard to refute, right? It's kind of like looking in the mirror. So I love that looking in the mirror part. All right, move yeah. on. So step two is to calculate your hourly rate. And this is not your charge out rate. We do it on a future-based calculation. So we get you to forecast how much money do you want to make in the next 12 months? Like what's your goal? And that's for you know, your profit plus the wage that you pay yourself. Then we ask you how many weeks do you intend taking off? So you know, it might be four, let's say you take four weeks. So we're going to divide the amount you earn by 48 weeks, the number of weeks you intend working. And then we're going to divide that result by the number of hours you intend working per week. So if you're currently working 60 or 70 hours, we don't recommend you put that number at 10 because that's not realistic probably in the short term. But if you were doing 60 or 70 hours and you wanted to say reduce your hours per week to 40 hours per week, that's achievable. And so that will give you a forecast hourly rate that we can now assess and I guess compare where who's going to do the tasks based on the numbers. Step three is right. because what that does is if your number comes out to be say $350 an hour, or just I'm just throwing a number out there, right? If it's $350 an hour, then that helps you focus in the tasks and activities and things that you need to do that go hand in hand with $350 an hour versus $3 and 50 cents an hour. Am I correct? Exactly. And it gives you a reference point so that, you know, I can invest $20 an hour to have somebody do a task for me. When I start telling myself I can't afford it, when I now look at my $350 an hour hourly rate, it's like, how can I even justify doing a 20 hour, $20 an hour task? It's ludicrous. Perfect. All right. Step three. So step three is what we call identifying your genius. And in the book, I created these four levels of which you can assess your tasks or activities against. And the four levels are incompetence, so something that you know you need to do but don't know how to do it. Competence is something you know how to do, but when you do it, it just saps you of energy. I call it an energy vampire activity or task. The next level up is what we call excellence. And the definition of excellence is you're really good at it. It has a positive financial return for you and your company, but you don't necessarily love doing it. Like you're good at it, but you wouldn't want to fill your days with that activity. And so for me, an example of that would be uh, financial modeling. I'm really good at it. 
I've been trained in that, but I don't want to spend all day every day doing financial modeling. And then so your genius is the things you love doing, the things you're really good at, and the things that have a positive financial return to you and your company. And when you overlay that definition in its strictest form, there's not a lot of things and activities or tasks in your business that you absolutely love, that you're really good at, that have a positive financial return for you and your company. And But what we understand, having now you know, taken many, many people through this system, is the more time you spend in that genius area, the more profit and freedom you will have in the short, medium, and long term. Gotcha. So, so you have four buckets, right, of these different categories, right? Yes. And then how do you assign activities or things to those categories? Is that, am I jumping ahead? Uh, no. no <laughs> well, so once you've identified your genius and you've un- understood what that is for you, then you can go back to your time log and start to really understand, do these tasks that I'm doing and where my time is being spent, is that incompetence, competence, excellence, or genius. Gotcha. So you take all those things off the audit and then you put them into buckets and then that draws you the picture. Got it. Makes perfect sense. Okay. That's awesome. Great. And what the goal is, the goal is to spend 60 to 70% of your time in your genius category or genius bucket, 30 to 40% in excellence and zero incompetence and competence. Yeah. Makes total sense. Love it. So. What we then do is we then, so anything that falls into that genius category is sort of quarantined. They're the things you want to keep doing and we want to do more of. What we then do is take what's remaining and that effectively becomes your stop doing list over time. So everything else that's not in your genius, even if it's in your excellence, you may not want to keep doing it. And so we, but then we filter that through what we call the focus funnel. And I learned the focus funnel a book I read called Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. And it just it blew my mind when I saw this. So you take these tasks and you pass them through this funnel. And the first question is, can I eliminate this? And if we can't eliminate it, the second question is, can we automate this? If we can't automate it, then the third question is, can we delegate this? And the reality is that on your stop doing list, it can either be eliminated, automated, or delegated. I've not yet seen anybody not be able to do one of those three things. It's just whether or not we're going to eliminate, automate, or delegate now or later. That's really the decision that has to happen. But once you then understand, okay, yes, we're going to eliminate this, or we're going to automate this, or we're going to delegate this, what you can then do, then you've got a very clear and transparent stop doing list that you can now begin actioning and working with to reduce the amount of time you spend on those activities. Wow, that seems so simple. Why do people overcomplicate this? Because it seems so simple and it's very logical. I can tell you're an accountant, right? (laughs) I can tell your foundation is in accounting because that's systems and numbers and and workflow. I mean, I, I see that in you. Just getting to know you is from a personality perspective. And so why do people overcomplicate this? I think we've brought up that the harder you work, the more you get done, the more you'll achieve or the more successful you'll be. I think we're, a lot of us are, have grown up 
in that era and that mentality. And so, and it's always about how can we squeeze more in? It's sort of almost like this badge of honor. He who do, or she that does the, the most tasks in a day wins. And so, you know, but also too, I think we're addicted to crossing things off our list. You know, um, one of my favorite activities every morning, I have a, I have a, a, a brief meeting with my, um, my office manager and I love ticking things off my list, but I've just, I've shifted the paradigm. My goal is to get as many things off my list onto my team's list so that they can play in their genius. And for me, it's not about getting things off my list and doing them myself. It's getting things off my list so that others can do them for me. And that's, that's more liberating and exciting for me than actually doing more tasks myself. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. Anything else you want to add in regards to, you know, creating this stop doing list? Anything you want to add to this process that you think would helpful for the audience? Yeah, I think the the starting point once you've got your list, firstly is to understand we're not we're not we don't expect you to stop it all tomorrow. I think a lot of people get quite freaked out by by the entirety of the list. It's like, oh my God, I'm doing all of that and you want me to stop doing all of this. It's a process, it takes time. Secondly, is that what you'll find is the first time you do this, you'll be able to chunk certain aspects of your list into roles. So you'll be able to potentially, I know the first time I did this, the first person I employed was a general virtual assistant in the Philippines, uh, 20 hours a week. Uh, her name was Ivy. She was amazing. 20 hours a week. And back then it was the investment was 200 US dollars a month. And that was life-changing for me. But what was great was what I looked at, I looked at my list and then I created the role and employed Ivy based on how I chunked my stop doing list into a role. So yeah, that, I think that's, understand the, the next step is simple and it can be quite easy. And even if you just start with one task, you know, um, I did an exercise with a with a client last week. We took one task that on average is say six minutes a day, 30, so let's call it 30 minutes a week. You extrapolate that out, out over a year. We said that let's say on average that was done 40 weeks of the year. So that's 20 hours. If you multiply that, if your uh, hourly rate is $300 an hour, that's $6,000 of productivity by stopping by you stopping one six-minute daily task. Yeah, that's amazing. That's 6,000 in potential potential productivity, assuming that you're sticking to your genius, right? Exactly. Yep. Exactly right. Awesome. Perfect. All right, cool. Well, listen, I'm going to do a couple rapid-fire questions before we wrap it up here. The next two, let's do rapid-fire. What's uh, your favorite growth tool or software that you use for growing your business? If you had to pick one, I'm sure there's lots, but if you had to pick one, what yeah. would it be? My favorite and go-to is Slack for us because it's a, an amazing communication tool in our business. Yep. You hear that a lot. And what would be one book other than yours uh, that mm -hmm. you would recommend to the audience? You know, something that really helped you throughout your journey. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I read it once a year, every year. Love it. Yeah. Read that book many times. And I'm sure most of us, most of the people who have are on this podcast have heard of it, but maybe not read it. Highly recommended. So Hey, listen, Matt, I really appreciate you being here today. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about your business, learn more about your book, and then we'll wrap it up for today. 
Sure. So um, you can connect with me uh, via our website on wisdomcg.com.au. That's our uh, coaching business. And you can go to www.stopdoing.com.au. That's the book website. There's some free resources there that you can download. And there's a, uh, the first chapter of the book is, is there for you to download also. So they're the two best ways to connect. Perfect. Listen, I'm going to grab a copy of the book. I appreciate you giving me a personal walkthrough. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks, Matt. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.